Well, good morning, everybody. Good to see you this morning. Lately, we have been going through a series where we've been talking about how life is shared around the dinner table, right? We've been talking about the value of fellowship and relationships, something that sometimes we can just discount or think is not quite as important as it truly is. And we've been seeing an example in Acts chapter 2 about how the early church the dinner table was kind of central in their lives, right? They, they dined together on a daily basis and they took of the Lord's Supper together. And as a result of that, thousands of people came to know and experience the love of Jesus. We, and we've also seen just through the life of Jesus how he was this perfect example of living a life of fellowship with other people, right? Not just with his friends, but those who were very different from him and even those whom society shunned. Jesus entered into life with them. And lives were changed as a result. Through Jesus' example, what we see is as we enter into the lives of other people, as we fellowship with other people, not only are their lives changed sometimes, but ours are changed. Even our relationship with God is changed as we draw closer, as our lives deepen in relationship to Him. Now today, we're going to wrap up our time with Table Talk by talking about how the relationships we build and invest in give us the opportunity and the blessing to serve others. Opportunities that we can miss if we're not paying attention to those subtle things that God's doing in our lives to help us make a difference in the life of another. And it happens in part, as we're going to see today, through this simple act, this fruit of the Spirit we learn, that's known as kindness. Now, have any of you ever seen the movie, it actually actually was out in the theaters several years ago, named The Way? By Martin, with Martin Sheen. Any of you ever seen this movie? No, not very many of you. I would encourage you to check this movie out sometime if you have a chance. Maybe go on Netflix and find it or something. It's an amazing story. It's about this American doctor who likes staying busy and making money and playing golf occasionally with his golfing buddies. But his whole perspective on life is changed when his adult son dies hiking an ancient trail in Spain called the Camino de Santiago. This doctor flies to Europe to claim his son's body. And when he gets there, he decides he's going to hike this 500-mile trek across northern Spain that his son was going to hike. And he's going to do it alone to mourn his son, to spread his ashes, and to consider his life. Now, this idea that he has doesn't really work Because he keeps running into all these people on this trail with very different lives who keep trying to interject their lives into his. He runs into this crazy Irish guy who wants to write a book about this journey. And then he runs into this Dutch guy who's hiking the trail because he wants to lose some weight. And then he runs into this divorced woman who's hiking this trail because she's trying to find herself. She's trying to find her direction in life again. And she's just walking this trail. And they run into each other, and as they and run into locals along the Spanish countryside, they keep showing this man kindness, kindness that he really doesn't deserve as he's angry and bitter in life. And as they walk together and as they eat together along the way, kindness changes him. Now, this, you might think, well, hey, this sounds like a kind of a weird story that this hiking trail can change someone. But it's really true. I mean, I have, read, I have read all these stories about how this ancient trail in Spain has changed people's lives. People have hiked this 
Camino, this Christian pilgrimage across northern Spain, for over 1,200 years, pilgrims have walked this walk. And they've written about it. There have been books that have written about how the kindness of strangers have changed people in unexpected ways. As people from all over the world and all different walks of life come to walk together and to eat and sleep in hostels together, they receive the hospitality of strangers and shop owners and local churches along the way. And they explain how kindness, simple kindness, transforms. People actually, have a, people actually call it, it's the way of the Camino, is what they say, this act of kindness. Now, I plan to hike this Camino when I'm on sabbatical this summer, and I'm actually looking forward to it. And last Sunday, I was invited to this meeting in our local REI here at Tucson Mall. Come to find out, there are so many people in the lo- just the Tucson area who have hiked this Camino that there's a local chapter of Tucson Pilgrims of the Camino. I'm like, are you kidding me? And I go to meet these people, and several of these people don't even like to hike. They just found themselves, as they were in northern Spain, starting to walk this journey, and they started experiencing this kindness of strangers, and it was so overwhelming, they just didn't understand it. And Christians are in, these, in this local chapter, non-Christians are in this chapter, and they're meeting together, talking about their experiences, talking about how kindness changed them, and how they want to go back and do it again even though they don't necessarily all like to hike. And I was amazed by this. We can't underestimate it. True kindness has the ability to transform a life. I've been reading this book here in the last few days. It's called The Way is Made by Walking. A pastor and professor in Canada wrote it. He actually hiked this Camino a few years ago and his life was changed by kindness. He tells story after story about the people, the strangers he ran into and in a moment of need, they didn't just meet his need but they went way above and beyond. He tells one story about how he was walking across the Spanish countryside one day and both of his feet were just covered in blisters and he could barely walk and he's alone and all of a sudden this young skinny woman starts going fast right past him and um, she's hiking along the way and she recognizes he's really having trouble and she says, you know, you look like you need some help. And then she grabs a piece of paper and a pen and she starts jotting out a little map about how to find the hospital in the town miles down the road. And she says, here, you might want to use this. This will help you get to the next hospital. Maybe they can help you. I'm in a hurry. I've I've got an appointment. I've got someone I want to meet further down the trail. Good luck. And she takes off. And he kind of sticks the map in his pocket. And several minutes later, he runs into her again. And he looks puzzled. And she says, you know what? My appointment really isn't that important. Now, keep in mind, this woman is a spiritual agnostic who's hiking this trail, she says to him, you know what, my appointment really isn't that important. And I'm learning from the Camino that I keep myself too busy in life to honor my highest priorities. That's the way she put it. And she helped him walk the several miles to the hospital. In this book, he writes, people often talk of the Camino as if it has a personality. Well, that's the Camino, people remark. Over and over, he says, meals inspired and drew us together in surprising ways. We extended hospitality to one another in conversation. 
We shared important confidences and dilemmas with each other, relying on people we might never see again. Truly, we met God in each other, and while sharing food, I began wondering whether important aspects of my personality were being transformed. True kindness has this incredible, underestimated power to change us, to transform us. In fact, what we're going to see today through the scriptures is that kindness, it's this secret sauce, I want to call it, to transform a relationship, bridging gaps and differences and allowing us to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Now, that's good preaching. You guys are way too quiet. I'm going to say that again. (laughs) Kindness, kindness is this magical thing, this thing of the Spirit, this secret sauce, I'll call it, that it can transform a person. It can transform a relationship. It can bridge gaps and differences that have been there for years. And as as we practice kindness, we, in essence, are becoming the hands and feet of our Savior to other people. So what is kindness? Well, let me share with you the words of a few kids here in town and what they have to say kindness is. Take a look at this. Friendship. I think kindness means the golden rule, treat others the way you want to be treated yourself. Kindness means to me in basically like helping somebody if they can't do something. To me, kindness is doing something, showing people that you care about them and little things you do. Like when you're being kind and nice, like when someone, like, let's say that I fell right now and then I, there's another kid that just helped me out. That's kind of what, what being kind is. Kindness means taking action if you see someone who's having a bad day or you just need someone to talk to. I think kindness is important because it helps boost people's self-esteem. It helps make the world a better place. The more you practice it, just the more it grows over time and the more it can benefit other people and benefit yourself. We should practice kindness to grow ourselves into kind persons and help grow the world into a kinder world. I love it. From kids in our community. Now, I'm going to take this idea of kindness a step further than even they've taken it. Kindness can be more than just being nice to people. There's a kindness that loves people even more than they expect or deserve. It's going the extra mile. It's what I would say is grace in action. Let me unpack this for you in a beautiful story in Scripture. One of my favorite stories in Scripture. It's actually found in 2 Samuel chapter 9. If you have your Bibles, I want to encourage you to turn there this morning and follow along with this story with me. It, it will bless you. If you don't have your Bibles, I bet, you, like this, I bet you have a Bible in your pocket. It's called your smartphone. Pull it out, go to mygrace.church and click on the sermon notes tab, and then you can follow along there with us in just a moment. This story that we're going to see is one about the life of David, who was a king over Israel at a time when his reign was just first getting established. And he's been on the run for years, hiding, from his, hiding for, from his enemies. And he finally is able to move from crisis mode, survival mode, into leadership mode as the new king. Now let's see what David decide, decides to be the most important thing he can do as he starts in this role 
is king. 2 Samuel 9, starting in verse 1. It says, One day David asked, Is anyone in Saul's family still alive? Anyone to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? He summoned a man named Ziba who had been one of Saul's servants. Are you Ziba? The king asked. Yes, sir, I am, Ziba replied. The king then asked him, Is anyone still alive from Saul's family? If so, I want to show God's kindness to them. Ziba replied, Yes, one of Jonathan's sons is still alive. He is crippled in both feet. Where is he? The king asked. In Lodabar, Ziba told him, at the home of Machir, son of Amiel. So David sent for him and brought him from this home, from Machir's home. So David gets in this role, this new role as a king, and God gives him the burden to do what? That word here is kindness, right? But let me just say to you, that word kindness isn't really what David said here. Now, I'm going to get to that in a moment. But first, are there any history buffs out there? Any history buffs? How many of you know a little bit about ancient history? What happened back then when a new king got into power and an old king got deposed for some reason? Or say an old king was killed and his family was left behind? What happened to that family? They slaughtered, right? They, they weren't treated very nicely. They were wiped out. Why? Because they were seen as a potential threat to this new king's throne. So everything he, he was determined, he was going to wipe them out. And you see this cross-cultures in history. Now, what's amazing to me is that David doesn't... This isn't the first thing that David wants to do. I mean, think about this. In, in, before this period in history, David was running from his life for his life for years. From who? From Saul, the very guy that he's trying to bless his family. Right? In 1 Samuel 24, it says that before Saul died, he asks David to give him an oath as the new king that he wouldn't do that to his family. Despite what Saul had done to him all those years. But about this word kindness. It's not an accurate depiction of what David actually said here. I'm just going to tell you that. And that's because the word David used here doesn't even have an equivalent in the English language. Believe it or not. It's the Hebrew word kesed. Everybody say kesed with me for this moment. Kesed. This is an incredible word. It's a word I hope that you will remember. This word is, means a vast, deep, immeasurable loving kindness that goes far beyond what anyone should ever deserve. It's love, mercy, and grace all rolled into one. It's a kindness that doesn't let someone go. David isn't just saying here, you know... Now that I'm not running for my life anymore, I think I want to just do a good deed for someone. I think I just want to feel good about myself today. I mean, that is completely not what he is doing here. Not even close. What David finds out here is that the only member of Saul's family who is left, who is alive, is this guy named Mephibosheth, who is a grandson of Saul. And he's disabled. He's unable to walk. And he's, David most likely realizes at this point that he's living in obscurity and poverty. And David decides not only to bless him, but to totally go overboard with it. And he does so with no strings attached. David doesn't just want to be nice in this moment. 
David is determined to change a life. And he does. He says, Mephibosheth, you will have a place at my dinner table for the rest of your life. I wonder, have any of you ever experienced chesed in your life? Not just kindness, but chesed. This love and mercy and grace that you knew you totally didn't deserve, that was heaped on you. If you have, I know you will remember it because it changed you. It's changed who you are as a person. It, it can set your life on a different path. When you experience it, you can never forget it. Sometimes in our lives, God gives us the opportunity to see a moment in time when we can show chesed to someone. Those opportunities don't come very often. But when we do and we seize on those moments, God does incredible stuff. But simple kindness is something that we can all do routinely throughout our lives. It's a fruit of the Spirit, and the Bible says it's still very, very powerful. It's something that we could all do. And like on the Camino, as I was describing a little bit earlier, you never know how much even a simple act of kindness can impact a person's life. There was a, a news story I was just hearing about a few days ago that came out of Pittsburgh. It was just before the holidays. About this secret guy in Pittsburgh who goes around restaurants, he eats with his spouse, and he picks up the tabs of people who are around him without them even realizing it. And he does it all the time. He's become known in Pittsburgh as this mystery tab picker-upper, I guess you'd call it. And the, the only people who know who he is are a handful of waitresses in the town, and they're sworn to secrecy. I mean, this news story I saw uh, from a TV station in Pittsburgh, it showed how a family of 16 were just bowled over because they went to pay their huge check, and it was already paid for. And then how this church group, this huge church group, had filled this restaurant and then found out that their whole tab had been paid for by this mystery person. And they're wanting to get on the television news to tell everybody about this kindness that they had received and how much it had blessed them. And it just, go, it just went to show me as I was hearing this story, it's amazing how in our culture even a simple act of kindness has this transforming power, doesn't it? I mean, we're not used to it. We're used to me, myself, and I. We're used to taking care of me and my own. And when someone just does something like that that we don't expect, it leaves a mark, doesn't it? And it even makes us want to do it for someone else. How many of you ever been in a Starbucks line and someone decided to one-up and, and pay it forward? I mean, what do you want to do in that moment? You want to pay it forward for the car behind you, right? I mean, it's just when you get in that moment, when you've received kindness, you can't help but want to show it. Again, even to someone perhaps that you don't even know. But our story today shows us something else about kindness. Something that you might even struggle with yourself. And that is that receiving kindness can be hard when we don't think we're worth it. I'm going to say that again. Receiving kindness can be hard when we don't think we're worth it. Mephibosheth appears before David, and look what happens in verse 6. It says, So David sent for him and brought him from Akir's home. His name was Mephibosheth. He was Jonathan's son and Saul's grandson. And it says, When he came to David, he bowed low to the ground in deep respect. David said, Greetings, Mephibosheth. 
Mephibosheth replied, I am your servant. Don't be afraid, David said. I intend to show kindness to you because of my promise to your father, Jonathan. I will give you all the property that once belonged to your grandfather, Saul, and you will eat here with me at the king's table. Notice what Mephibosheth says. Mephibosheth bowed respectfully, respectfully and exclaimed, Who is your servant that you would show such a kindness to a dead dog like me? Now, I can get why Mephibosheth would have said, Hey, I am your servant. I mean, it's before a king, right? He's, he's being respectful. But what's this dead dog thing? What's going on here? Mephibosheth is at a point in his life where he has taken so many hits that he's lost his own sense of self-worth, really. He's poor. He's crippled. He's from a town called Lodabar, which, you know what that word translates to in English? Barren nothing town. Any of you ever been to the town of Nothing, Arizona? Do you know where that is even? There's a place called Nothing, Arizona. It has like a dozen people that live there. Imagine living your life in Nothing, Arizona. Crippled, lame in both feet, not able to provide for yourself. That's what the circumstances of Mephibosheth's life have done to this guy. And he looks at David and he's like, why are you even bothering to talk to me? I'm not worth it. Poor Mephibosheth, he has been crippled since he was a toddler. He was, we later find out from Scripture, he was dropped by his nurse at the age of five as she was running away from the scene of something. And that was what made him lame in both feet. He has this permanent disability. And his circumstances in life have led him to a point that he says, not only am I a dog, which was this animal that was completely uh, contemptible in the eyes of the Jews back then, but a dead dog, an unclean useless thing and here's the thing because he saw himself that way he had a hard time even receiving kindness he didn't even think he was worth it sometimes here's where i'm going with this sometimes we might feel like mephibosheth because we've been hurt or our circumstances have led us to a a a barren place in life and the pain and the failure can, that we've experienced can bring us to a place where we start to believe things about ourselves that aren't even true. We have to receive in those moments the kindness of others and choose to leave that place. Amen? Now, in a way, we are all Mephibosheths before God. We're, we're crippled by sin. We have to choose to receive the chesed. The, the loving kindness of God. He restores us. He moves us from our pauper's house to his palace. And he invites us to dine with him at his table. We don't deserve it. Our kindness, our righteousness, the Bible says, are like filthy rags. But the Bible also says that God's love for you never ceases and that you are precious in his eyes. He looks past the things that cripple you and he sees you as valuable made in his image and likeness. Maybe, maybe you're in a place today that looks a lot like Lodabar. You're living in a dry, deserted place spiritually. Not physically. We can discount that. But spiritually, maybe you're in that place and you feel stuck. You feel 
trapped. You feel without hope. I want to give you a word of encouragement this morning. God is calling you home. He wants to bless you. He wants to show you kindness that you nor any of us deserve. And, and kindness, kindness to others is a small way that we can help others experience the kissed, the, the loving kindness of God. It's the part that we can play, right? As we read the end of this story, you, you'll see that David doesn't just stop with welcoming Mephibosheth into his home. He gives Mephibosheth's grandfather's land to the dead king's servants to use to live off of for the rest of their lives as well. And it says at the end of verse 11, notice this. It says, from that time on, David served Mephibosheth at his own dinner table. And he treated him not like some project, like someone to have pity for. But it says he treated him like one of his own sons. Kindness, it's the, the secret sauce that can transform a relationship, bridging gaps and differences and allowing us to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Kindness is a language that the dumb can speak, the deaf can hear, and the blind can see. You don't have to say it. You know it when it's there, right? Kindness is more than just loving people. It's loving people way more than they deserve. And it can be a reminder to us that we all serve a king. We serve a God who loves us far more than we deserve. Amen? And a fruit of the, it's a fruit of the Spirit, the Bible explains. It shows the world, when we practice it, that God is at work in our lives. Kindness is a part of our vision here at Grace, if you think about it. It reminds each one of us each day... How we serve. Now, the why, we, the, why, the why we serve is because of Jesus, right? Because of what he's done for us. It's out of gratitude for life, for the kessed that he chooses to show us unrelentingly. But when it comes to serving others, the how, how we serve, shouldn't be done ever without kindness. 1 Corinthians 13 says that love is kind, right? And it says without it, our acts of kindness are like a clanging cymbal. It just rings hollow in people's ears. In a community the size of Grace Community, there are always going to be opportunities that we can serve together and show kindness, right? There are always opportunities that we can step in and see a need and help be the hands and feet of Jesus. And we provide opportunities like that to you as a staff every single week in the Make a Difference card at MyGrace.Church. We're constantly thinking about, hearing about opportunities and throwing them up there so that you can prayerfully consider how you can be a part with us in being the hands and feet of Jesus and showing kindness to those who are in need. I see kindness here at Grace all the time through events like this past holiday season at Catalina Village as we served the, the community there. Or a few months ago as we served at the Homeless Connect event. I see it in many of you as you decide to prepare a meal for our students at the student ministry on Sunday nights. And we, you feed them. And, and through, as a result of those times around tables, those students' lives start to change and they start to experience the love of God firsthand. 
I see it in many of you as you serve as uh, table leaders at our Alpha on Wednesday nights. And you sit around the table with other people and you share your life with them as they share with you the challenges and the questions they have about faith. I see kindness displayed in our students. It's just recently, you may not know this, but the, many, of the stu- many of the students in the blender ministry got together, bought paper sacks and bought non-perishable goods to make sack lunches. Dozens of them that they could put in their vehicles and keep with them for whenever they happen to run into someone who happened to be homeless at that moment. And they could show kindness to someone in need. I see it in a young millennial here at Grace who's on the back row right now. Her name is Kylie, and she just got back from serving in Uganda for several days, loving on orphanage children there in Uganda. And she has a powerful story that she's going to tell you next week. We have so much potential among us as a community to be to display kindness in action as we serve others. Whether around dinner tables in our home or collectively here at Grace as we open our doors to the community. Loving those who need kindness, who need support through ministries like divorce care or or grief share or those who just walk through our doors here on a Sunday morning and they're looking for hope. They're looking for a God who is alive, a God who is real, a God who actually changes people's lives. And through kindness, so oftentimes that door is opened in someone's heart here. It's why we embarked on Space for Grace. This, this campaign that we're going to be doing, Space for Grace, it isn't just about ourselves. The space that we're going to add here will help us to be more welcoming and be better able to meet the needs of those that God brings to grace, not only now, but for generations to come. Today I want to wrap up our time here at the dinner table by asking just a couple more people to join us up here and share a little bit of their lives. So would you please welcome to the stage my wife, Teresa, and David DeGroote. Give him a hand. Now, normally as people have been coming up here, I've been asking, what brought you to Grace? I, don't, I need to ask you that question, honey. Why? <laughs> but Dave, what brought you to Grace? How long have you been here? Uh, off and on. Testing. Okay. Um, what brought me to Grace? How long? Well, 30 years ago, well, uh, off and on. Kindness. Uh, we came to town uh, looking for a church home, uh, looking for a new start, and it was the people around Grace that became our family. Mm-hmm. Well, I'd love to hear from each one of you. Can you think of a story in your life where you can relate to what we've been talking about this morning, how kindness just transformed your life? And if so, why was it transformational? Um, <clears throat> I had a long career in advertising, public relations, about uh, 30 years, actually. And toward the end, I got a, a very strong feeling. Uh, I, I felt like a call, a very clear call from the Lord to go into teaching. And I didn't know exactly how that would all work out, so, so I kept my day job, <laughs> which I liked, and uh, started taking night courses just semester by semester, another course, another course, another course. Finally got to the point where I'd finished the courses and uh, it was time to make a decision, (laughs) do this or not, uh, because I had to practice teach and that required quitting my advertising job and going full speed into teaching. And uh, ran into some trouble uh, as an older 
student, uh, they couldn't place me. <laughs> uh, you know, if you can imagine yourself as a young teacher in a classroom, uh, and one by one, schools would read my resume and turn me down. Um, went out for some of the best, so-called best schools in town and so forth, but no. Finally, it was Barb Konwinski, uh, a tough inner city school, very diverse, multicultural classroom. She took a huge risk. Well, you know, look at me. How would I fit into a tough, multiple, <laughs> a tough inner city classroom? But she took the risk and signed me on, and it was a good experience. And then after that, a whole second career opened up. Wow. How about for you, honey? Um, well, for me, uh, 30 years ago, I was 16 years old, and I moved to the States uh, from Peru. And um, I accepted Christ when I was 19, but I didn't really experience Christ until I was 21, uh, when I had uh, just broken a relationship uh, after four years, and um, the church that I was attending, it was a small Baptist Spanish uh, church, and the church I was attended, attending, they took me in, they helped me when I was crying. They let me, you know, cry and express all my whys and whys. Um, they, they were there for me. They sustained me. They, they walked with me. And especially, they guided me to the truth, to the word. Uh, that's when the word became real to me. Um, and then um, I had another opportunity where uh, kindness spoke Christ to me. It was uh, about how many years ago? We 12 years? Dang, we're old. Uh, <laughs> 12 years ago, uh, when we, uh, when David and I experienced that separation, and um, I walked away, and I didn't have a place to go. I was so confused. I was so lost. And we separated, and um, we were attending uh, the other Covenant Church in Chandler. And the, there's a lady, a family there, Stacy and Bruce Heimkes. Did I say that right? Mm -hmm. Heimkes. And um, they, she, she showed up one day. She, sh she said, let's go for coffee. We met for coffee. And she said, I don't know what to tell you. I don't know how to help you. But I want you to know that I am here for you. You can come to my place. We're not going to speak if you don't want us to speak. We're, not, we're just going to be there for you and love on you. Could you please come to our place and stay? And I did. And it allowed me to recover from so many wounds. And it just, their love, so Christ-like love and kindness and patience and and uh, just so much kindness spoke to me, and they were my ears too when I was uh, when I needed to talk. They were there for me when I needed to cry, and they showed me Christ. Mm. Those moments can really change a life. It did change our life. We're together. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Yep. Now. I know that both of you are serving others at Grace in ways that people don't always see. Why are you choosing to serve the way you are right now? And what are some of those things right now that 
where you feel like God has been calling you. I'm uh, really enjoying serving as the usher captain for the second service. I've done that for years. Um, not the captain, but served as an usher and now the captain. Uh, it's a way to welcome people. As Dave said at the end of the service, people come here uh, looking for something. Um, and every, every week we meet newcomers. Uh, and as ushers, we're the, uh, all of us are kind of the face of grace with a smile and a welcome. Help find a seat. I uh, really enjoy that. And uh, now Space for Grace campaign also for another 90 days or so. Um, and that's, uh, to me, the, that's another way to welcome. The, it's not just about bricks and mortar. That's the easy part and the money. But it's a way to welcome people uh, to grace. And it's a way to stabilize our membership. So not only do we say stable, but we can reach out uh, to others. Yeah. Um, why do I help? Um, well, I am involved in the background with sometimes with the sound. Uh, when you see the baptism videos, I'm doing those interviews and the baptism videos, um, or you know, the women's branch, whatever it is that it includes video, I'm, I'm doing that. Um, the banners that you see there, I didn't design it, but I made it happen. <laughs> and um, so, the, and I am involved because I, you know, 30 years ago when I moved to the states. I was 16 years old, and I didn't have my family with me. I came alone. And um, the church became my family. They were my support group. They were my, my parents and my sisters and my, and my brothers. And the reason why I serve is because two reasons. One, so we can reach one more for Christ. And two, because... You're my family, and I want to do everything in my power and everything in my spirit and my will to show you that I love you. Because Teresa doesn't like; she loves. So <laughs> uh, I I love my church. I love my family, and in my whole life, I've had three home churches. When I was single, then when we got married, we were in the other covenant church, and then this church. And these are my families, up until this day. So why do I do it? For love. Because um, God showed me love through church homes, and uh, I want to do the same. Uh, I want to be that other person on the other end of the spectrum. That's awesome. Well, as we wrap up this morning, is there? I know that you're both serving in leadership on the Space for Grace campaign. Are there? And I know so many people have stepped up. It's just been amazing to me to see how many have stepped up. But I know that there are a lot of places where there are opportunities. Are there any opportunities that you want to just briefly share before we wrap up where people yes. can help out? <clears throat> yes. Uh, if you're interested in anything that has to do with media, communication, video, graphic, or, or you know, just doing some uh, picturing things and ideas, come to me. Uh, yeah, as Larry shared this morning, um, we need a few more leaders to step up. Um, also, I, uh, if you're contacted, as Pastor, uh, as Larry and Dave said earlier today, I guess, if you're uh, contacted, uh, consider it or 
respond yes or no or something. If if you could, um, we we were making a lot of phone calls, sending out a lot of emails, and um, just a, just a response, uh, yes or can't really do it now would would be much appreciated, especially during the next few weeks. All right, thank you. Well, thank you guys for sharing a little bit. Would you give them a hand? Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for this chance today to talk from 2 Samuel 9. Lord, this, this passage has really been transformational in my life. But so oftentimes I can live my life on just a single track with blinders on, not paying attention to the people around me. And Lord, I know I have missed so many opportunities to show kindness. Not because I didn't want to, but because I just wasn't even paying attention. Lord, I thank you for the people in my life and for the people in our lives who have slowed down and paid attention and been your hands and feet in those ways. Lord, many of us, if we had the time, we could pass the mic around this room and just share dozens of stories of how kindness, and in some situations, even chesed, loving kindness, life-transforming kindness has been shown. Lord, today we ask that you would fill us with this fruit of the Spirit, that we would walk out of here changed ourselves. People who don't just think about how it's good to be nice, but about how it's transformational to be kind, to be kessid-like to those who are around us. People who are believers and are needing hope at times when they forget who you truly are and your power, but also people who don't even know who you are and are looking for hope, looking for a meaning in life, looking for something, and they find it as they experience the kindness of Christ through us. Maybe you're here today and you don't know of this kindness for which I speak. You, you've never experienced the loving kindness of God. You've seen people be nice to you maybe at times, but you've not experienced this deep, deep love from God. Maybe you've never accepted Christ into your own heart and life. Or maybe you did a long time ago, but as a kid, but maybe you've walked away from that because you just didn't see the value or the relevance or the meaning for it in your own life. But for some reason, God has you here today. God has you here so that He can speak hope and life into your heart. If that's you, I just want to encourage you with every head bowed and every eye closed to pray this prayer with me and start a new chapter in your life. Turn a page in your life and experience the loving kindness of God as He pours it out on you by giving you way more than you deserve, by giving you not only love and kindness and mercy, but by giving you a hope and a future beyond this life into the life to come. So if that's you this morning and you are just feeling that you can make that one step this morning closer to Jesus, I want to encourage you to pray this prayer with me in the silence of your heart. Heavenly Father, I come to you today and I confess that I am a sinner in need of your grace. Lord, I need to experience a little bit of hope in my life, a little bit of mercy. Lord, I've tried to take care of myself and provide for myself and do everything for myself all these years. And Lord, it just rings hollow and empty. 
Lord, I need a touch that would only come from you. And God, I ask that you would come into my heart and life right now and give me that touch. Help me to experience this loving kindness that you talk about right now, right here, with a touch from your Holy Spirit. God, I ask that you would fill me with your Spirit as I confess that you are my Savior and my Lord. And Lord, I ask that you would begin to change me from the inside out and make me into the man or woman of God that you've called me to be. Lord, today is a new day for me. It's a day that I start over. I start a new chapter. And I do it with you. In Jesus' name, amen.